Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events. The list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it's bowl season. All right, here we go. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the football betting weekend review and bowl betting preview part one. I'm stuck here with me as always is Colin Wilson, who you hit the hit the links today. How'd you shoot? <laughs> yeah, today was uh, I said name day. That's uh, Game of Thrones terms for birthday. I'm having a hard time breaking 90 on my golf game. So we'll continue. Is that good or bad? Because that would be good. That, that's not, I mean, that's bogey golf. I mean, if, if you can shoot a bogey on every hole, that's 90 golf. I know we have people at Action that shoot way better than that. It's just a personal thing. Like, not me. Yeah. <laughs> I never even took up golf till like two and a half years ago because I was a baseball player for years. So, um, you know, hopefully that's something we can accomplish this year. Um, all right. Well, I'm a good putter. That's about all I can say. <laughs> you uh, and I tied on the uh, mini golf course and the in the uh, the gambling a little. Yeah, that was funny. Um, all right, let's. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into the NFL. It was a pretty boring matchup weekend. I think there was only two playoff teams that two definitive playoff teams that faced each other during the day. And that was Kansas City, New Orleans. Kansas City comes out with a win. I, te- I guess they technically did cover the first time in seven weeks because the line closed minus two and a half. Depending on what number you got there, you could have middled it. You could have got you could have got the Saints plus three and a half in cash. You could have got Chiefs minus two and a half. Just stresses the importance of getting the best number out there, especially around key numbers. The I mean, the Bills look great again. I, I was the asshole out there that bet the the Broncos on Saturday, and that didn't go too well. Uh, and then I guess the shocker of the weekend is the New York football Jets beat the Rams. I don't know where this came from. The Rams looked like they were hungover, disinterested, and maybe still drunk during the first half of that game. And then they kind of woke up in the second half, but couldn't do enough to get the win. And the Jets get the win. The Seahawks take over first place. Now the Jags are the favorite to get the number one overall draft pick in likely Trevor Lawrence. Speaking of Trevor Lawrence, we're going to get to our college football recap now. He will be in the college football playoff, as will Alabama, who won but didn't cover. We'll talk about that game. Ohio State 
who had a scare for a while, had a bunch of players out. Uh, guy Ravel, he ended up cashing. I told him not to. I told him let it ride. He still, you stole me five k, Daryl. And then the the fourth team was Notre Dame. I was shocked that the line this morning was like minus five hundred that it was going to be Notre Dame. I thought it was a little more in question than that because of how Notre Dame lost. Maybe Texas A&M had a shot. SEC love. Uh, everyone just saw Notre Dame get crushed. But no, Notre Dame, Notre Dame gets the four seed. He's a three-touchdown underdog against Alabama. And now i got to sit here and contemplate how I'm not going to tell everyone there's value in that line <laughs> right. uh, for the next couple of weeks. Any initial thoughts on who should have got in? Initial lines. I think Clemson's what a touchdown favorite of Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, I, we wrote the piece up uh, with the projections came out this morning before all of the the, uh, the the early show announcing the the top four for the playoff. And I said flat out in the article that was released this morning, this is pretty easy. The committee's going to sit back and look at Notre Dame's win over Clemson as the most impressive thing. Nothing Texas A and M has done, especially you look at some of the wins that they have. None of that is going to impress the committee. They're not going to slip past Notre Dame. You know, like it or hate it, Notre Dame was the team that should have gotten the fourth slot, especially when you take into account the eyeball revenue. And you know what? I've believed in this eyeball revenue theory for years. Like when TCU and Baylor were supposedly going to make the college football playoff in 2014, both booted out over an Ohio State team. But I mean, you know, that Ohio State team was legit, but you're going to draw four times as much money with names like Notre Dame and Ohio State than you are a Baylor or a TCU, or a Texas A&M, and that's just how it goes. As far as the point spreads go, they're both inflated. They're both completely inflated. Now, does that mean that Alabama can't cover it? Look what happened against Florida last night. We sat here and said that 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 number was completely inflated. So we have to make the decision. Notre Dame and Ohio State can do damage control enough to keep it within the number and possibly win. I think the answer about winning is no for Notre Dame. I think Clemson. I, I think Ohio State Clemson is going to be a barn burner. I actually do think that Ohio State's a live dog in that. After they get healthy, after they get their players back, I actually think that's going to be a much more competitive game. And I think Ohio State has a real shot just from initial everything that I'm seeing initially. Yeah, we're gonna we'll have a playoff. We're we're gonna have a number of bowl preview episodes, but we'll have a our second one will come out on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night ish for the Friday and Saturday games. We're going to talk about all the weekday games through Thursday. Today, we'll talk motivation, we'll talk matchups, and I think one of the most important things this year, uh, I don't know how I'm going to approach it yet, uh, is trying to figure out, okay, do I want to take this team now because I think that there's a higher risk of the team that they're playing having multiple opt-outs? So I'll give you an example. Like these bowl games, these non-playoff bowl games, it's like there's not going to be fans. These kids have been away from their families, and why risk like you're – pro career for like this empty stadium meaningless bowl game right i could see how some kids would make that decision and kids do this every year anyway i'm just saying now the incentive is even greater for this to happen so i look at a game like florida oklahoma i think florida opened as a three-point favorite i'm not sure where the line is now but i say to myself pitts is already out and you know once one guy goes does that set the presence does trask also maybe sit out so trying to figure out you're going to see a lot of line moves and trying to figure out all right which teams have a really high risk of key players potentially sitting out. Sometimes you're just not going to know at all. Uh, is it worth the exercise? We'll talk about that. But let's recap the weekend, and we'll let you guys drive the bus, as always, there with your voicemails. I haven't listened to them, and I hope no one – everyone just kind of was too busy, too preoccupied with the conference championships to notice that I bet uh, Service Academy over. 
<laughs> so I, I don't know if that's on here. I did win money on Leech. Finally. Yeah, that was Mr. Yeah. Leach. You still owe me some mortgage payments, Mr. Leach, but you got me one. I don't know. That's a great point. We were like one of the most constipated offenses on earth. And, you know, we... Uh... Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you. You have reached the voicemail box of... The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Let's check this week's messages. Why do you continue to sh on the Clemson Tigers? They're the best team in the country. Stop. Take your chicken liver, pate, and go f a yak. And you know what? You can use your hair product as lube. Harley from Baton Rouge here. I just want to say, hey, Lane Kiffin from Baton Rouge, go to hell, old piss. Go to hell. Hey, guys. Nash from Colorado here. Just want to give a huge shout-out to those boys up in West Point for punching that in with less than two minutes to go and then a big interception. I know a lot of people are watching a ton of other games, but big shout-out to the troops for giving us a huge W. Oh, that was a great game, by the way. Can we get Army in a bowl? I mean, they have nine wins. They're not going to be in a bowl. How is South Carolina in a bowl and Army's not in a bowl? How are most of these? North Texas is in a bowl. We're about to talk about North Texas in a bowl tomorrow. I mean, when we learned that Army is going to be in a bowl, I immediately went to the 2021 calendar and started marking off the teams that are making a bowl. Like, I forgot to highlight Wake Forest. Like, they're going to be pissed. And they're going to be taking names of people that had the bowl games. And you know what? As we record this, don't think that the bowl slate is stable. I would not be surprised to see bowls canceled, teams withdraw, and then teams like maybe like Army who are practicing every day ready to come in. So keep your eyes on that because if Army's still practicing, I mean, that's something I got to read up on. Like, is Munkin still practicing? If he is and they slide right in there, what an advantage. So I'd, I'd just keep your eyes open for something like that happening. Yeah. One of the things, if you go back to like 1980, service academies are like 70% against the spread in bowls. Remember we talked about this last year? There, I'll have to dig up the exact number. It's just really good. And it makes sense, right? Bowls – a lot of times they're about motivation. And you all have these teams sometimes that just don't show up, don't care. They're, they weren't really preparing or focused. Service academy schools, not really a concern. They're almost always going to show up for every single game, which is why they're generally a great bet. Remember that Houston game? Army won them by like 150. <laughs> Stucky, Colin, the maxion over. It's 6.30 in the morning on a Saturday. Went to bed at 1.00. Thought I could sleep it off, drive to work, just kind of forget about it. F- that. 56 points in the f-ing first half, 10 in the second. Buffalo drops like 7,000 passes. What the f-? I'm still not over it. Thanks, guys. Uh, I do have to shout out, offer my condolences, sympathy, I, for anyone who had that over. The live over at one point was 98. I didn't think there was any way. I, I, there was just 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. I was like, wait. Is this game not going to go over? It just suddenly hit me. Uh, that must have just been absolutely brutal. You don't think there's any – I mean, you, you go into that second half. It's a MAC game. You don't think there's any way in the world there's not 14 points scored in that second half. I will take credit. My best, best – I think you do best call, worst call, bet regret right now. My best call has to be Ball State just because I bet them, but I also had them – the MAC manifesto paid off. That was my best call of the year. Uh, I had Ball State to win the MAC, and uh, – didn't hedge. Florida didn't come through, but at least they covered. Ball State is my best call, but I feel so bad for overbackers. That's as brutal as it gets. As far as worst call, 
I have to, I mean, I have to go the service academy over, but I, I'll also say Notre Dame. Notre Dame got kind of screwed early on, and they missed that 20-yard field goal. They missed that wide-open pass, but look at the box score. They got crushed. That didn't make a difference. Uh, bet regret is I had the Oregon-USC over. Great call by you in Oregon, by the way. And I should have got off at half. I had an opportunity to, even a potential small middle. Oregon wasn't moving the ball that well. They were going so slow. They weren't really were throwing it. USC wasn't doing that much on offense. It still got the 21-14 at the half because of some fluke turnovers, some fluke plays. So it did not surprise me in the second half that that game kind of crawled. So I should have got off there. That's my bet regret. How about you, best call, worst call? Yeah, best call is going to be Oregon. I said you don't even need the points, and so it's really good to see them pretty much, you know, lead from wire to wire and dominate that game. A little bit of a flurry there for USC at the end, but Oregon was able to hold on, and and just every time you heard somebody's name, whether it was on the defense, whether it's Thibodeau or or Shug, uh, all these players are back next year for Oregon. So really big deal for the Ducks. Uh, They do have a date at Ohio State in September, I think on the 11th. Uh, So just monster monster season coming up for Oregon. I think they get everybody back. That was best call. Uh, bet regret is going to be Tulsa. I didn't lay a dime on Tulsa and chirped about it for weeks about how this was such a huge spot. Defense showed up, offense did their job. Uh, and I just, uh, you know, ended up not playing it. And it was, uh, you know, something, you know, I power rated at 12 and it was still higher than that. And I should have taken it and I didn't. I think the weather scared me off a little bit. Not sure what was going to happen with such uh, uh, terrible weather there. You know, I guess worst call, of the day, I don't know. Take take your litter. I can't say Oregon State. I know there's a little bit of trolling on Oregon State, but they lost a ton of players, a lot of injuries during that game late at night against Arizona State, and Arizona State just didn't stop scoring on them. I'd say, you know, Florida first half uh, was just a bad guess on when those points were going to come in. Dan Mullen's clock management in the first half, he, need, he should be fired alone for allowing Alabama to have a possession with a minute left on the clock when he could have easily. Yeah, right. I mean, how many times did I have to tweet that out? If Dan Mullen knew how to manage a halftime clock, we could be looking at a different story today for the college football playoffs. So, you know, I'll go ahead. And I'm glad Alabama team total got over. Felt like a struggle there for a little bit. But I'll take worst call is Florida minus 10. Uh, missed out on that one, I think, by at least a full score. But uh, Dan Mullen didn't help me any. Kyle Pitts is just a monster, by the way. Man, go f*** yourself, Stucky. I'm so f***ing sick of your dumb bullshit. Mac Manifesto. My University of Buffalo Bulls. My 716 University of Buffalo Bulls were better than the Ball State heads all f-ing year. I don't give a f- about your fucking future bet or any of that bullshit. They were the better team all f-ing year. F-ing you. But also, I love the picks and I love you. Love you too. Stucky, I hear you rambling on and on and on and on about how Oklahoma's a fraud. They haven't played anybody. Look at who they've played. Acting like Iowa State hasn't played the same f-ing teams. This ain't f-ing Brocktober. What are we doing here? Iowa State is outclassed. Embarrassing pick. Uh, it pushed. Oh. Every single time with Iowa State, these people wait till the game is over, then call and troll. Yeah. Uh, that's what you have to learn to do. They push. So it, that game literally cost me $0. I also need to – sorry, I need to say this. I feel so bad for that kid. They threw him out. They're one of their best defensive players. They're Havoc creator. On like, he, he played the whole COVID season. Look, I think that's a bullshit penalty no matter what. But can we, like, have tiers of targeting? You don't throw the kid out for that. He led with his shoulder. The receivers – there was no – it was not malicious. You can't throw kids out for that. I mean, have, let's have some common sense. It's not the spirit of the rule. And now you th- – I mean, the kid was in tears on the sideline. He gets through the whole year. 
the whole season, and then on the third play of the conference title game, you throw him out because he tackled with his shoulder? Come on. Matt Campbell looked like he got shot out of a cannon like he's an intern in the Royal Rumble for WWE. I, uh, he was going ballistic with some of these calls in, in this game. But at the end of the day, Iowa State, three turnovers. Uh, they shot themselves in the foot, especially in the end zone. That's what kept them from winning the Big 12 championship. There's two things you can't handicap, turnovers, injuries. Turnovers is the reason Iowa State is not the Big 12 champions. And targeting. And targeting. Hey, what do me and Brock Purdy have in common? We both love to f***ing puke all over ourselves on f***ing Saturday morning. Oh, also, uh, Oklahoma's won t- uh, its touchdown. It scored a touchdown, which is the difference in the game, on a drop pick, wide open drop pick that got deflected into a completion touchdown next play. F*** man. Literally just f***. The god Cyclones. They look so f***ing good. What the f*** brought Purdy three picks? F***. F***. And then we got f***ing the refs f***ing off the f***ing Oklahoma coach. Kicking someone out for targeting, that was horse sh- God damn it, I'm rattled. What the f*** do we need to get a god damn special teams coach? Like, holy f***, scrounge together some money. Like, f***, f***, f***. And f***, don't get me wrong, I love this program. But god f***ing damn it, does it ever suck to lose like that? Man, f*** the Sooners. We will be coming for their ass next year. Yeah, no, it's, that's a really good point, too, in that Iowa State game, is that they're kicking. I mean, their special teams all year were awful. They can't kick it off. They had, Oklahoma had so many big returns. This is a team that never returned it all year that gave them good field position and definitely impacted the way that that game played out. Ohio State wins 22-10. Did you take anything from that game? Are you more impressed with Clemson's dominant victory over Notre Dame? Anything you want to mention before we move on to these bowls? Not really. I mean, of course, the Ohio State, their performance against Northwestern is what's fresh on betters' minds when – the odds makers put out a spread the way they do with Clemson minus seven. I mean, that number literally should be three and a half and four. And people are using the results that happened on Saturday and rolling them into this Northwestern played fantastic defense, but Ohio state was off of a long break. Uh, Chris Olave didn't play. Uh, there were a lot, there was some depth issues going on with Ohio state. Uh, this is, None of these. I mean, they're going to get all these players back. They're going to be healthy, and I expect a much better Ohio State to show up in the Rose Bowl in Arlington. Interesting there. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely agree with Ohio State in the seven there. I, I think it's just way too inflated. I actually thought Darren did a good job of buying out when he did. You wanted to get that first possession. Told him, absolutely, you're not selling out at halftime, but you're going to get your first possession in, and if you get lucky and they get a score, you're just going to let it ride. You're going to let it ride until the momentum swing, and uh, and that's and that's when he cashed out. But Ohio State did come back, did win that game, uh, covered the second-half total of minus 7.5, and, uh, and they weren't even close to full strength, and they haven't played in a while. It's going to be a different team that shows up to play in the college football playoff. Um, so I don't know what to say about Notre Dame, uh, Alabama. <laughs> that number's inflated, and it probably should be inflated after – I have a really hard time seeing Notre Dame hang around with Alabama here, but at the same time, what does Nick Saban want to do in a semifinal game with, you know, 10 days to go uh, before a national championship game? So we'll get into those, but now as far as Ohio state goes, I think it was, you know, great job for the Northwestern effort, but that was not a full Ohio state healthy team. So we'll see how they look here at the playoff. I had Ole Miss, loved Ole Miss. And then they, their top two pass catchers opt out after I make the bet. And then LSU pulls out another lucky win. They did a 25% post-game win probability. Grr. 
Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Let's get into some of these bowls. We'll get to Monday Night Football also before we close up shop here at the end. But we have our first bowl tomorrow afternoon. We have Monday afternoon bowl game. Doesn't happen often. It's on ESPN. App State against North Texas in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. I think it's all it's called. It's the Myrtle Beach Bowl. At BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. App State's a 21-point favorite over under 64 and a half. Here's the problem. I make this line 21 and 65. I mean, does App State care? When you're talking about a 21-point favorite, that's you're going to have to decide that. North Texas is just a mess this year. Uh, they have one of the best receivers, Jalen Darden, in the country. He's like 20. He's like 19 touchdowns somehow. But their defense is horrendous. They're a very undisciplined team. It's not a team you want to bet, especially when the scorekeeper is against you, um, as happened with me. Uh, I make this line spot on. I have my betting dice right here. I said I'd roll them to see what if you really want, like just to put fifty dollars on this game to have some action. <laughs> uh, and uh, I came up over. That is basically my input on this game. Take it away here. What do you see? Yeah, it's a game I projected eighteen and a half and sixty four ish. So the number came out eighteen and a half. It's now up to twenty one. Uh, I put a bet in on the action app at nineteen. Hope everybody was able to get on that because it looks like. We're at 21 across the board, which is where it should be heading into while you guys are listening to this on Monday morning. There's just, you know, there's two. It's not that there's a huge edge here, but the one things I can come up with App State is, A, they've played at the surf turf before. They actually really, uh, Sean Clark was adamant about how we will take the visitor locker room because we're more familiar with a visitor's locker room. Listen, App State has won all five bowl games that they've been in, and Seth Luttrell has lost all three bowl games that he's coached for North Texas. You know, I think that's something to keep in mind here when you think about program success and just one team hasn't, one team doesn't. App State is definitely the one that you want to back here. App State finished second in the nation in defensive passing success rate. That's going to be very important against a North Texas team that likes to go to the air, that is second in the nation in tempo. App State is fourth in tackling. That's I, I go back to just tackling and just, you know, the, the program in general is just a much more well-run team at App State than there is going on at North Texas. App State is 23rd in defensive pass coverage. Uh, it's just a whole different level of competition for North Texas. I know the strength of schedule for both these teams is outside the top 100. You can't trust North Texas on defense. They're just outside the top 100 in almost every single category. Uh, I mean, they're 120th in defensive finishing drives. If App State gets close, if they're sniffing anywhere in, in opponent territory, they're going to score a touchdown. Huge special teams gap here. Appalachian State's 12th. North Texas, 109th. I think you got to lay the points. Hopefully you're listening to this. It's still at 21. A couple points higher than where I've got it, but I think 21 is a good number to buy on. A little bit of money. Not not, not anything huge. Just big program difference here. Big difference in, in, in rankings on offense and defense between these two. Uh, and a little bit of familiarity for App State playing on this surface. Full game fever. Catch it. All right. We also have Tuesday. I mean, it's just a beautiful time of the year. We have Tuesday Tuesday afternoon bowl game. We have Tulane against Nevada in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. 
at BetMGM. Tulane is a two and a half point favorite, but it's juice minus 125. So this is my three point favorite over under 56 and a half. The question here, and from a care perspective, I think Tulane will care. And they fought hard all the way till the end of the year. They weren't expected to win their conference. Nevada, surprise year, but they could have easily been in the conference championship. They weren't. They had that disappointing loss to San Jose State last um, last Friday night. So where are they at mentally? How do the pack match up with the green wave? Two unique offenses here. You have kind of a Nevada's air raid. What do you see here? I mean, we're recording Sunday night. I think I'm going to be playing Nevada before I, I hit the sack here tonight. Uh, there, I, I project the game too late, minus two and a half. Not a big edge there. I project the total of 55 and a half. Really, that's what the market is at. But when you look at these two teams, you know, uh, you can't say Nevada's familiar with the surface. At least the players aren't. They haven't played there the last couple of years. So saying that they have, you know, experience on the Smurf turf isn't really true. But Nevada, let's just break it down side by side here. Tulane is a team that runs 62% of the time. They rank top 35 in rushing success rate and rushing explosiveness. But Nevada Wolfpack is pretty good at defending that. They are 20th in the nation in defending rush explosiveness. That's a big deal against Tulane. Tulane loves to tear it up on the ground. Nevada's 12th in the nation in tackling. They are very solid on defense. And I think that they're going to be able to handle whatever Tulane throws at them on the ground. Now, if you go and look at Nevada's offense with Carson Strong, they pass the ball 61% of the time. So I'm not even looking at Nevada's rushing stats. I don't even care. So when I look at Nevada's passing stats, nothing really huge breaks out for me for Carson Strong. But what does open up my eyes is that Tulane is 123rd in the nation in defending pass explosiveness. So uh, I think the Green Wave are going to have issues with Carson Strong, especially going deep. There is a huge mismatch in team tackling here. All favored in, in, in the side of Nevada special teams. SP Plus makes Nevada 35th. SP Plus makes Tulane 123rd. Nevada's got it where it counts. I am probably going to be on Nevada plus three before, probably while we're podcasting. I might slip this bet in here. I think you get a healthy Dom Peterson back for Nevada, which should help their defense. Yeah. Uh, the, the main question for Nevada will be, and you saw this late in the San Jose State game, which and this would be my only concern with Nevada here, as long as they care, is their <laughs> offensive line. Their offensive line has been shaky at times this year, and they're going against you know sample and company. There's some NFL potential on this two-lane defensive line. They right. can get after the quarterback. So how much havoc can the two-lane defensive line create? Absolutely. If Carson Strong – if Carson Strong is getting rid of the ball under two seconds after the snap, then it's a different story. But if he's holding on to that thing, he might be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, Tulane, top 10 in sacks per game. You got Patrick Johnson sampled. I think they had seven players that had at least two and a half sacks. So they can they mm-hmm. can get pressure from a number of different places. Yeah, so and by the way, make sure you check out the Action app, actionnetwork.com. We're going to have comprehensive bowl previews and content every single day. Make sure you follow us on the app to see what we play. If you hate bowl games, go listen to NPR. All right, moving on to our second bowl game on Tuesday in the Boca Raton Bowl. Uh, UCF, who is, I think, technically the road team here. At BetMGM, UCF is a six-point underdog, six, six and a half, uh, over under 70 and a half. This, uh, when the bowl matchups came out, was one of the most intriguing matchups to me uh should be i'm just excited to watch both offenses go head to head what do you see here 
Uh, so I was a little bit shocked to see BYU open up at three and a half. I do kind of like the over in this game. It is at 71 and rising 72. I, I think that's just going to keep going up. I, I projected it at 73. Not a lot on the defenses here to make me believe that either the offenses are going to be stopped. Uh, I do power rate the game to be a pick em. Flew up to seven. I think that's where it's going to be by the time everybody's listening uh, on Monday morning. Uh, BYU 106 in strength of schedule. I mean, their offense can get anything they want in this game. Could potentially be Zach Wilson's last game. Central Florida is 74th, the higher strength of schedule, uh, 74th. Uh, but they are defensively 89th in passing success rate and 112th against pass explosiveness. That's not going to get it done against Zach Wilson. Even Central Florida having a defensive havoc rating 34th should be minimized by BYU because BYU is one of the most disciplined offenses in the nation. We know that they are top 15 in havoc allowed. They just don't turn the ball over and they don't let teams get into their backfield. Of course, you know, strength of schedule. Like I said, it was important in the MAC championship with Buffalo. You know, BYU's not really had a, a very strong uh, strength of schedule considering the, the the piecemeal schedule they've had to put together. Now, I think the question is, is will Central Florida score? Uh, the Knights are eighth in pass explosiveness with, the, with Dylan Gabriel against BYU's back seven. They're 63rd in defending pass explosiveness. So I think Central Florida is going to be able to hit the long shot and keep themselves in this game. That's why I like this at seven. Overtime, it doesn't matter. I just think Central Florida is going to be able to get themselves back into this. BYU doesn't impose their will in the trench on defense whatsoever. Uh, they're 87th in defensive havoc, which I was kind of shocked to see. They're just not really taking the ball away or or having a lot of pass breakups or tackling in the backfield. They're 71st in line yards. So for everything about that defensive line, they are just not you know putting it up when in rushing attempts. They're 107th in stuff rate. So teams are able to move it on the ground. Central Florida is first in the nation in tempo. They average 19.3 seconds per play. So this is going to be fast, blazing fast. And I don't see either team stopping each other. There's a huge difference in special teams, though. That's where BYU has an advantage. They're second in SP+. Central Florida is 97th. I love the over. I can be talked into Central Florida plus seven. I think they're going to be able to get back into the game at any time. And they're not going to be dominated in the trench. So we'll see, you know, do a little bit more research, see who all is going to be involved in this game. Because with Central Florida, it's just been a, a rotating wheel of who's playing who's not playing 10 10 guys opting out we got covid all up and down the roster it's been an interesting season for for uh josh heupel and the knights and, and so want to verify that uh, you know this is a solid team with full motivation but that's the side that i'm looking for i don't disagree with either i i think uh you know the over starting to get a little out of hand but as as of where it is now i have a slight lean to the over and i like ucf too i think i make this around two and a half three i gotta go mm-hmm. do my final bowl projections, but it's definitely right around a field goal or maybe a little below. And, but I'm not hitting that now. Cause I really want seven. Um, obviously. Right. And please don't jinx us. You said with seven, we'll be okay. in overtime. Uh, <laughs> the good thing is, is that I don't think that I don't, there's not a lot of risk. I'm going to just, just jinx the shit out of the bowl season. Now there's not a lot of risk of a bowl, a random bowl, going the triple overtime because why like the teams would just go for, you know, go for two in the first or second overtime or at the end of regulation. This is my yearly public service announcement for bowl games. If you have a team that is a one and a half point favorite, a two point favorite, right? Sometimes you would just bet them one and a half, two point favorites game. A lot of games are going to end on three more so than one or two. But in bowl season, it's different. There's more games that are likely to end on one because at the end of a game, in a game that means nothing, in a bowl game at Boca Raton or whatever it is, and you tie it, who cares? You go for two. You see it all the time. Instead of laying one and a half or two, 
take the money line with a really short favorite. If you're catching one and a half or two, take those points. Don't just play the money line because there's just more of a chance that these games could end at one because of teams going for two at the end because it's like, who cares? This is the famous potato bowl. So keep that in mind. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, let's move on to Wednesday, the New Orleans Bowl. Louisiana, Texas, six-and-a-half-point underdog against Georgia Southern, over under 50-and-a-half. Look, I've been preaching about how bad Louisiana Tech is and how much of a fraud this team is. They did also lose Luke Anthony. They've been using two quarterbacks most of the year. He had, like, a horrific injury in their last game against TCU when they got trucked. So I don't, I don't think he's available. Georgia Southern, interestingly enough, had, you know, Shea Wirtz, their senior starting quarterback, start of the year. Then they had Justin Tomlin, who got hurt last game. I, and then you had Miller Mosley come in somehow – uh, I mean, he was like two of 13. Somehow he threw an 80-yard touchdown pass. I still have not seen a clip for it, but I, I, I needed that to get in the back door. I've been looking for a clip. I can't find a clip of Miller Mosley making this throw. I still don't know who the quarterback's going to be for Georgia Southern. They also had an injury to their star linebacker and their star, uh, and their star safety's bagged up too in Duncan. I'm writing up this game. I'm going – I've been digging into all these injuries to find out who's playing, who's not. But I can tell you that at full strength, I made this, I made this line 11 and a half. Now, granted, I am the lowest person on planet Earth when it comes to Louisiana Tech. I also have to downgrade Georgia Southern if it's Miller mostly, and i got to figure out how much to do so, and then there's other injuries, and then Louisiana Tech's going to be going with Allen the whole time instead of rotating. And they, they used Anthony more than Allen, and he had a little more success throwing the ball. So there's a lot to dig into here, but I can tell you under seven, <clears throat> I almost certainly like Georgia Southern. And if Georgia Southern's going with this third-string quarterback, I, just Louisiana, Louisiana Tech's offense is so broken, it's incredible. I mean, you go back to the games that they've won. I, I, even against North Texas, they averaged like four yards per play. It's just some of these games are absolutely disgusting that they won. They've, they've scored, I think, like 80 or 90 points more than they should have this year, if you just look, go by yards and yards per play. They've had a number of pick sixes. They've scored on the final play of the game. They're, I think they're – 15 to 17 on fourth downs this year. Just an incredibly lucky team. Now, they are well coached, and I know what Colin's going to tell me. Colin's going to tell me all about Skip Holtz, and I think they've won like 55 bowls in a row. I know they have the nation's longest bowl winning streak, but I just hate this team this year. So I'm going to be on Georgia Southern in some fashion. I played some under 52. I might buy that back. I don't know. Uh, I got to figure out who's playing in this game. Keep your eye on the write up, but here comes Colin telling me about. I usually bet Louisiana Tech every year in the bowl, too. So, take yeah. it away. 
I mean, I'll ship you over the the video of Miller Mosley, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the game and some of the passes he had. There is a YouTube out there of the game summary watching all of Miller Mosley's. I mean, it's there was something extremely odd about the Georgia Southern box score that bothered me. So I had to go actually watch the game to see what was going on. Now, when you think of Georgia Southern, you should think slow, triple option, shy words, not burning clock. Well, that's true. They're 127th in seconds per play this season. Uh, they're averaging over 32 seconds per play. But when I looked at the box score with Miller Mosley, I just couldn't believe my eyes that I saw an up-tempo offense. What, what is this? Now, he's not very successful. Don't ask Miller Mosley to be, you know, come out there and be Zach Wilson from BYU. But Miller Mosley can hit the explosive pass. He can hit the slants. He can hit the sidelines. Uh, he made some very impressive long passes. But I think the thing that's most important is when Miller Mosley came to the game for Georgia Southern, 25 seconds per play in the game. They increased their seconds per play by seven. This game for me was an over 49 and a half when it hit the board. I think 50 and a half is where most of the books are right now. To me, this is an over all the way. If Miller Mosley is the quarterback, there's going to be explosive shots taken on both sides. But Georgia Southern is going to score a ton more points. And look what look at that final score against App State. I mean, that thing sailed over the total. You know, the projections at six, but that's a Shy Wirtz line. This is a completely different Georgia Southern offense if Shy Wirtz is not there running the triple. Uh, you know, if Shy Wirtz is there, if he is healthy, which everything I've read says he's probably not going to be able to play in this bowl game. You know, but if he is there, they're top 25 in line yards, they're top 25 in stuff rate, and LaTeX can't defend any of that stuff on the ground. But when you look at, you know, Miller Mosley at quarterback, and they're going to be taking shots down the field. The kid is not successful, right? His success rate is going to be terrible. Uh, I think he only completed a, a handful of passes, uh, but they were deep, and uh, they weren't flukes. Uh, so I think there's going to be more downfield passing. Uh, there's big advantages in, in tackling here. Georgia Southern 29th graded in PFF tackling. Louisiana Tech is 99th. But, you know, I can't get over how fast of an offense Georgia Southern was when they decided to go to Miller Mosley, who was not running the triple and was taking shots 15 to 20 yards down the field. Yeah, but was it because they were down? That's the question that we have to answer. No, he was doing that uh, at the I beginning. Didn't. No, he was, he was – the second he came in, it was, it was time. The kid's got an arm. He can throw it. Well, he can throw it. I don't know accurately. <laughs> well, I've already put under 52 in just because of my projection, but now, oh, now I'm okay. kind of scared. But I said I'd buy it back. I, 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 I hit 52, and I was like, this thing's going to come down. But – yeah, Georgia Southern, there's a lot to get to. I'm going to have a write-up on it. I just hate La Tech. Yeah, and you can you tell me anything good about this Louisiana Tech team? 25th in offensive finishing drives? Does that help? I mean, Georgia Southern's 27th. Yeah, against garbage, uh, too. Also. Yeah, against I mean, garbage. Are, I mean, uh, the defense is top 40 in, against pass explosiveness. That's it. Everything else is outside the top 90. And they have a, they're outside the top 100 strength of schedule. I mean, it's, it's not good. It's not a good year for skip holds. It's like they, they honestly could have had one win over an FCS team. If you look at their other wins against really bad teams, they're, they're usually by like one, two, on like the last play of the game on fourth down, like crazy. Yeah, they had 210 yards and three yards per play against UTEP. This team has been so fluky and lucky all year. I think, I think they've won multiple games this year averaging three yards per play. 3.9 yards per play against North Texas? That's like impossible to do. It's an ugly offense, and now their, their best quarterback is out. I mean, ugh. All right, enough La Tech slander. Anybody that listens to this podcast down in uh, in Ruston, I uh, I've done enough slandering of your bulldogs. If you don't bet on a bowl, does the bowl even exist? 
let's move on to another bowl on Wednesday. Memphis at BetMGM is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite against Florida Atlantic, over under 52-and-a-half at BetMGM. Uh, I'm looking under here. Florida Atlantic's been one of my favorite under teams this year, although I got yelled at the voicemail for one I didn't like um, the other week. Florida Atlantic's defense has been really good. We talked about Jim Levitt the coordinator there, one of the best in the business. I mean, this is a guy that was the highest paid court, one of the highest paid coordinators in college football. And then he just didn't get along with Cristobal at Oregon. And now he finds himself at FAU and he's done a tremendous job with that defense. It was a little puzzling that they gave up 45 points to Southern Miss um, last week. But if you look at Memphis and the FAU offense isn't great in general. If you look at Memphis, they've lost just, so many weapons, like their two best weapons on offense have uh, opted out one before the season, one during the season. And the offense has kind of yeah, gone in the tank since, uh, you know, this is a team that scored 10 points at Navy. They scored 21 points at Tulane and they barely just got to, and they got to 30 against Houston. This is a team that usually against those teams would be in the high thirties low 40s. So the offense is just not the same Memphis offense that we've seen. A lot of that due to opt-outs. Still Brady White there at quarterback. Um, But I actually might look under here. Thoughts? Yeah, I actually wrote that all up in my notes and uh, I agree with you completely. I, you know, I project the game minus uh, minus 11, not too far off of minus nine. And I projected, you know, a total of 52, which is pretty close to the market. Uh, Memphis games have gone under three of the last four. I'm not sure if you count that outlier against Stephen F. Austin where they scored, you know, 56 points. I don't think that really counts. So they've been an under team for uh, the last half here of the season. And Florida Atlantic was an under team until they allowed 45 points to Southern Miss. And if you look a little bit deeper into that Southern Miss game and ask what the hell happened there, 300 yards on the ground. I mean, they just gave up gashing numbers on the ground. Uh and, you know, at the Southern Miss, that came out of nowhere on their, on their second interim coach. Uh, but I'm not sure Memphis has the ability to do that. The four of the last five games, not including Stephen F. Austin, here's Memphis's total rushing yards, 64, 45, 98, and a grand total of five yards against Cincinnati's defense. They haven't clipped 100 in a long time. Uh, they are not a rush – team first team they are not an explosive rushing team uh I, I think this is an under here all the way florida's 17th in defending pass explosiveness so if brady white wants to go to the air uh fau should be able to take care of that um you know and and florida atlantic is you know their fourth in defensive finishing drives they they play their best football on defense when their backs are up against the uh, against the goal line so uh to me this is an under all the way completely agree with you all right good stuff then like i said stay tuned on our twitter ActionNetwork.com, Action Network app. We'll have comprehensive – well, every bowl will be covered. Hopefully we can – what do we have, like down to 28, 25? Hopefully we can get at least 20. But it's all said and done. So hopefully we can have a good bowl season. And thank you, producer Matt Mitchell, for throwing in the Gus Johnson Oklahoma overtime call every time uh, we mention the Big 12, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh... Whoa! Unbelievable! College football! Before we get out of here, Monday Night Football. Uh, I did a write-up for this game, so if you want to check it out on the app. Uh, it's app at MGM right now. The Steelers are 14.5-point favorites at the Bengals, over under 39.5. So uh, how I played this game, I like – the problem is it's over 14 now, so I don't like the Steelers anymore. 
I like the Steelers. Maybe this line comes down. Anything under 14. I kind of like the under if you can get 40 or above. But the way to play this, in my opinion, is to go Bengals team total under, uh, which as of right now, I played under 13 and a half. It's 13 now you can get, which I still like. Obviously, if you can find a 13 and a half, it's going to be tougher now. So this line is going up to the totals coming down. That's important. Uh, it's really hard for me to see this Bengals team scoring at all. Uh, I mean, since Brandon Allen, who hasn't even been practicing, became the quarterback over the past three games, this Cincinnati offense has done absolutely nothing. Nothing. They're averaging 3.9 yards per play. That's like La Tech. This is a La Tech offense in the NFL. Sorry, Rustin. I told you I wouldn't slander you anymore. Uh, but their offense doesn't do anything. They basically have had one explosive play in three games. I think they had like a 121-yard completion last week. But they had a, a, like a five-yard hitch pass to Tyler Boyd that he took to the house. That's it. Can't do anything on offense. There's no explosiveness. And now they're playing against arguably the best defense in the NFL. I don't know. I mean, this is a team that just got – the Bengals couldn't do anything against the Cowboys. I mean, it's bad. This offense is in bad shape. We know the defense isn't very good. Uh, the Steelers' offense is kind of broken right now. They can't run the ball. Their offensive line is not – playing that well so it's just and there's no explosiveness downfield it's a short passing attack which makes it very difficult to sustain drives consistently why we've seen the Steelers drop their last two games by the way this is the seventh I believe the seventh backup quarterback the Steelers will face in their first 14 games but that this short passing attack should work here against Cincy it did the other week even with Burrow playing I think the other week they won 35-13 Cincy hasn't gotten past 13 against the Steelers the past four times that they've played and I know this is a nightmare Tomlin spot. I've preached about this all the time. On the road against teams that are sub 500, his teams come out flat all the time. He is the least profitable coach in the situation in our Action Labs database. Uh, He's like 35% against the spread on the road as a favorite against sub 500 teams. He's a rah-rah coach, us against the world. We'll get you up, we'll get you motivated. In these spots, generally speaking, his teams come out flat a lot. But I don't think that's the case here. You know, they can lock up the division. They're off two straight losses. I, I don't think that motivation is going to be a factor. And the Bengals are just that bad right now. It's sort of like the Jags with Jake Luton when the Steelers went down there and they covered as a double-digit favorite in a similar spot. And that, they weren't even coming off two straight losses. So I think Tomlin actually will have them fired up here. I just don't see how the Bengals can score here. Uh, so I don't Bengals team total under. I lean the Steelers if you could get under 14 Looks like that's gone out. So the line, uh, and I make this closer to 15, which is crazy. But I just don't, it's going to be really, without flukes or special teams, the Bengals do have good special teams. Without turnover flukes or, you know, a kick return for a touchdown, I don't see this team getting the two touchdowns. So uh, I went with the Bengals team total under. This one could be ugly. Yeah, let's echo that. I mean, I'm completely uh, behind that. If you look at this Cincinnati and Pittsburgh team, both teams have gone under the total their last four games in a row. Uh, Stock talks about this spot for Tomlin here. They do have the Colts coming up. I mean, I know this is a division game, and I know there's a lot going on with the division for this specific game, but that game against Indianapolis next week is pretty big in the playoff picture too. So, you know, if you look at Cincinnati and what they've done offensively, they've scored – let me go ahead and count here. Their last five games, 7-7, 17, 9, and 10. 
the game they scored 17 against the Giants, they had a total of 155 offensive yards. Yeah, a kick return touchdown that game. Right, right. So not even offensive points there. They got over the 13 that Stuck is talking about. So I completely echo uh, the Cincinnati under uh, the, the team total number here. Uh, I, I I don't know if I could ever sit around and take Cincinnati plus 14. The safer play is, you know, because, you know, you, you don't want to factor in the Tomlin perspective, uh, you know, the flat spot, the the Indianapolis, whatever spot. It doesn't matter. Cincinnati's going to have a hard time scoring points here. Completely agree with Stucky based on the performance of Cincinnati the last five games. Yeah, and if you're in the trends top, I mean, the Steelers, by the way, have owned the Bengals. I think they've won like 15 in a row, no, uh, which is crazy. One of the last seven. One of the last seven against Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I think the last time Cincinnati beat him was in 2015, maybe. Yeah, Steelers have won 11 straight against the Bengals. Tomlin's been dominant against the spread on them. And Tomlin's also great against the spread after a loss. So if you're into trends, yes, there's a Tomlin flat spot here, but that's generally after they've won a game and they're going on the road and they're playing a, a bad team and they come off flat. They've lost two straight here. So I think Tomlin will have them focused. They'll be ready. And like you said, I, this just comes down to, I don't see how Cincy scores or moves the ball. Uh, so it's pit or nothing, but I think the Cincy team total under is the way to go. Hopefully they don't get a fluke. And then you we're having to sweat like a late, garbage time touchdown late in the game, which would suck. But uh, I think that there's that's the way to go on Monday Night Football. All right, that'll do it for us. It's time to go dig into bowls, the college football playoff. We're going to be back with many more bowl previews. We're going to record our next bowl preview on Wednesday. i got to double up the, the giveaway so you have a chance to get in on the reviews, by the way. I know a bunch of people have already gotten stuff, but uh, I need my producer to send me some, some of the best reviews, and I'll pick some too. But that Wednesday episode, we'll record like Wednesday afternoon. It'll come out immediately. We'll we'll get it up, edit it, and that'll be for the bowls. There's a Christmas Eve bowl with Houston and Hawaii. I'm sure that'll be a big voicemail bowl, so we better get it right. People with their fa- trying to avoid their families watching Hawaii and Houston. Uh, and then we'll talk about all the bowls on Friday through, through the weekend. Uh, and then we'll be back again uh, early in the week, the next week, to do another batch. So it's time for us to go get to work. Thank you as always for listening. We appreciate all of you. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. You know the drill, tell a friend, tell an enemy, leave a review. Five star really helps us out. Just take one second to do it. Uh, it's time for us to go get to work and find some winners for all of us during bowl season. We're going to be back on Christmas Eve, but happy holidays to everyone celebrating regardless. We'll catch y'all later. Cheers. Peace out. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful We're finished talking.